Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back into 106.7 The Fan, the Odyssey app. Taking you up until 340. Toby Altizer with you until Nationals baseball today. You think 2023 has been a successful season for the Nationals? I think it has been. I was laying out what I think the realistic timeline would have been, according to many people coming into this season. Now, what do you think that timeline is? 800-636-1067. You can give me a call on the MGM National Harbor listener lines, or you can tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. And again, if you want more Nationals content, we were having this discussion yesterday on Bustin' Loose Baseball, on the Odyssey app, Grant Paulson and myself talking all things Nats. Check that out on the Odyssey app, Bustin' Loose Baseball. But I think when you look at it now, so coming into the season, I said 2026 might have been a realistic timeline. Look at the team now. I think 2025 is a realistic timeline. And here's the reason why. Gore has shown that he can be a number two. I was talking about that a little bit earlier. I think he can be a frontline starter in this league. Josiah Gray has proven himself to be a rotation piece that you can count on. A guy that can be part of the rotation going forward as a number three. So I think that that's growth. Both of those guys in the rotation have shown you that they can be a part of the future. That wasn't necessarily certain coming into this season. C.J. Abrams. Coming into the year, you're hoping that he could show you he could be the shortstop of the future, but you didn't know. You hadn't seen enough. You, you hoped off the prospect profile that he could end up being kind of what he's been over the last couple of months, but he hadn't necessarily shown it at the big league level yet. Now you're seeing it. Now you're seeing him hit for average, get on base, steal bases. 22 in a row, I believe, without getting caught. That's the kind of C.J. Abrams that you were hoping you'd see, and you're seeing it now. So I think that you can depend on him being the everyday shortstop for this organization going forward, hopefully for another championship team in a couple of years. So the big league guys that you were counting on have proven to grow and have shown that they can be those guys going forward that you hope they could be. I think the place where it gets accelerated is in the minors. I'd mentioned Robert Hassel. He's kind of fallen off a little bit. I still think that he can kind of get things going around again. But think about the other guys. Think about James Wood. This is a guy coming in that you had high hopes for. You know, you thought could be a really good baseball player. Now he's a top five prospect in multiple publications and all of baseball, a top five prospect. And this is a guy that you could possibly see up with the big league ball club next season. You could possibly see him coming up next year and playing with this team. Dylan Cruz, he's making his debut tonight in Fredericksburg. Going to head down there as soon as I get off the air in about 30 minutes and try to go see Dylan Cruz tonight making his A-ball debut. He's a guy that you could realistically see 
up with the big league ball club next season. And I was talking with Grant on Bustin' Loose Baseball, and I asked him, I was like, what do you think? And he mentioned August, maybe even July of next year for Dylan Cruz. You know, again, I think this is being a little bit aggressive, but I think that's okay when you see what the Baltimore Orioles have done, when you see what the Cincinnati Reds have done. They call up the young guys, and if the young guys come up and produce, why not? Why can't the team exceed expectations a little bit? If James Wood is in the big leagues next year, I think that would be exceeding expectations. And if that's the case, then you would expect by 2025, if he gets you know a decent amount of playing time in 2024 with the big league club, you'd expect himself to solidify himself as an everyday player and a good one at that in 2025. Same thing with Dylan Cruz. Cade Cavalli is going to come back from injury. And then you look at the guy that I think that people sleep on so much in this system, and maybe he could come up next season. I would think maybe it could come up in a couple of years. But Brady House, we spend so much time talking about Dylan Cruz, rightfully so. We spend a lot of time talking about James Wood, again, rightfully so. But people seem to forget about Brady House. This guy is fantastic. And he's a guy that at the beginning of the season this year wasn't in the top 100 prospects for some publications. And the reason was he'd been injured. But every single time that this guy has been on the field and healthy, he has been fantastic. Let's take a look at some of his stats this season throughout what he's done this season for the minor leagues and the clubs that he's been a part of. So we started the year in Fredericksburg, 297. 369 on base, 500 slug, and 36 games there, 158 plate appearances. Got called up to high A. Immediately started raking there again. Only 16 games at high A. 318, 368 on base, 540 slug for a 907 OPS. And then in his time in Harrisburg, double A. Again, a kid that's only 20 years old. He's only played 11 games there so far, but in 48 plate appearances, he's got 14 hits, five doubles. He's got a 318 batting average, a 375 on base, and a 432 slug for an 807 OPS. A guy that's 20 years old in double A. A guy that is so young. This is a guy that gets slept on. I think that he's going to be an impact bat in the middle of the order for this ball club for a long time. A kind that they really haven't had at third base in quite some time, really since Rendon. But, I mean, even... He could give you more pop than Rendon. He could give you even some more game-changing type plays, and I'd struggle saying them Rendon because he was so fantastic on that World Series run. But I think he can give you that kind of an impact, an Anthony Rendon-type impact. And if that's the kind of guy you're going to get in Brady House and you add that to what you're going to get in James Wood, an MVP type, a guy that his ceiling is a guy that, is hitting 40 bombs a year, 30, 40 bombs a year, stealing some bags, playing good out in the outfield, maybe gold glove caliber because of the amount of ground he can cover. And then you add on that Dylan Cruz. You know, some people argue about whether he has the ceiling that some of these other guys have or not, whatever it may be. His floor is a guy that's going to hit 280 at this level, maybe give you 20 homers, play a good center field or a corner outfield spot, depending upon whether he can stick in center or not. I mean, this is something where you're looking at these guys possibly coming up to play for this ball club next season, and then 2025 being a time when they could realistically compete once again. And I think if you would have told anybody coming into this 2023 season that 
yeah, maybe if we look ahead to 2025, this team might be competing for something that actually matters. This team might be going up against the Braves for the NL East, which, I mean, that still might be a tall task because they got a lot of their guys still under contract, but at least competing for a wild card spot. And even if they're not going to make it into that, they could be fighting to get to around 500. That's something that I don't think many people would have believed coming into this season, especially right at the beginning of the season, looking at the prospects that I just mentioned. You know, and I think that's one thing you can't sleep on with getting Dylan Cruz, too, is he kind of helps add to this thing because you bring in a guy that was the top hitting prospect in the entire draft. A guy that hit 460 his last year at LSU. A guy that had an on-base percentage of almost 500 in his three years at LSU in the SEC. A guy that was on base every single game this past season for LSU. The Golden Spikes Award winner. A guy that won a gold glove in center field. That's the guy that got added to the organization. I think you could have looked at a timeline where this team was still competitive in 2025 without Dylan Cruz. But then you add in a guy that probably is more sure than the others and maybe has just as high a ceiling as those guys. And why can't this team be competitive in just a couple of seasons? And that's why I think you have to look at this season as a success. If you were to come into this year and think that not that long, even just next season, you'd be seeing some of these prospects, it would have been kind of crazy. But now it's a very realistic thing. It's something that you can talk about, and it's not crazy. And that's something that we didn't expect. That's something that's a little bit added. And then you add on what you've seen out of the big league ball club. They've grown. They've matured. Last season, they didn't play competitive baseball. There's no way around it. Last season, they did not play good baseball. And a lot of times, it was a chore to watch them because it just didn't seem like a big league ball club at times. This season, they scratch and claw every single night, every time they take the diamond. And, you know, credit to Davey Martinez. I know we like to give him a lot of flack for the different things that he's done. Whether you don't like his management of the bullpen, if you don't like how he manages and the different managerial in-game decisions he makes, look, we can question that all day, and understandably so. I'm not always the biggest fan of Davey Martinez, the in-game manager. But there's one thing that you cannot question about Davey, and that's he gets his guys to play, and he motivates these guys. I mean, think about watching this team every single night. They never give up. They fight fight, fight. Think about that Colorado series. They're down in every game. They come back in a couple of them. Think about last night. They're down going into the sixth inning, haven't gotten anything going. They find a way to send it to extras. They come up big with a home run. They come up big with a double from Jake Alou to get it started. Then Lane Thomas follows it with the home run. You know, this is a team that has found a way late games to win plenty of ball games that they would have just lost last season. They just would have been done. And, you know, you take some of those wins away and you look at the Nationals' record right now, if you take some of those wins away, then it would be pretty ugly. Like, you look at them right now and they're 47-63, and 63, you know, you can think of at least five or six of those games where they would have flipped the other way. You could be looking at a team that's 40-70, and 70, 30 games under 500 as opposed to 16. So this team has shown some growth this season because they fight every single night, and that's something that Davey has done a good job of. But again, I think that looking forward, you've got some nice pieces, obviously the young guys. I was fully on board with keeping Lane Thomas. And the reason that I'm fully on board with keeping Lane Thomas 
and was fine with it. I know a lot of people wanted him dealt at the deadline. The reason that I was fine with it is what you saw last night. But then also, if these guys are going to get called up next year like I was talking about, or even if it is in 2025, you need a veteran at some point to, to help these guys out. You can't just trade every guy that shows some sort of promise. You need some veterans that pro- give you some production at some point, and I think that Lane Thomas can be that guy. At worst, he's your fourth outfielder, maybe fifth outfielder if things go really well and Hassel turns out, and you got Cruz and Wood and whatever the case may be, maybe Dalen Lyle or somewhere in there. If that's the case, then you trade him. But I think you can keep him around, and he can be the veteran leadership for this team. And I've pitched this idea multiple times. He's got two more years left in arbitration. He's 27 years old, about to turn 28. I wouldn't hate the idea of trying to keep him around for the next four seasons. The next two, obviously, arbitration. The following two, you'd have to pay for him in free agency. So you'd have to buy out his last two arb years. But when you think about it, and you look at the Nationals' payroll, there's only two guys right now making $10 million or more on the payroll. Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin. Corbin comes off the books after next season. It's not going to hurt you if you're paying Lane Thomas six, seven, eight million million over the next couple of years. And then if things didn't work out or whatever the case may be, if, if he, or if things do really work out and you need to move on from him, then you move on from him, whatever the case may be. But I don't think it would hurt you to have that kind of veteran leadership around. And I think he's kind of earned this opportunity to be the guy that kind of fosters these young players into the major leagues and helps develop them. I think that he is a very good leader for the clubhouse, and I think that he's a player that can help them long-term in terms of development. And then on the field, like I said, fourth outfielder. If you need him to, he can play right field for you every day. You know, because realistically, again, next year, you could be looking at an outfield where Dylan Cruz is out there, James Wood is out there, and Lane Thomas is out out there. Sorry, my voice is... My throat is dry, so let's hit a break here. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Right-hander to the belt. He fires home. Swing a line drive. Well hit to left field. Benson racing back. This one over his head, and it is gone! Into the first row of seats over the 12-foot wall and left. It's a two-homer game for Lane Thomas and a 6-3 Nationals lead. So you heard the call last night. Another multi-homer game in this ballpark. And there you heard the call last night on the Nationals Radio Network, which we'll turn it over to Charlie and Dave in about 15 minutes or so to get you ready for game two between the Nationals and the Reds. Hopefully my voice can make it 15 more minutes. I guess we'll see, Connor. You might have to <laughs> you might have to take us home. But I should be able to get us home for the last 15 minutes. But we were talking about Lane Thomas. And I think that this guy can help you going forward because I think that he can be a guy that can teach the young guys as they come up. He's a guy that isn't necessarily going to be able to replicate what he's done this season. I mean, the way that Lane Thomas was 
playing in June and in May was spectacular. Like, if you look at his season totals for the year now, batting 286, 331 on base, 479 slug for an 810 OPS. Like, this is a guy that could have been an all-star this season. I think should have been an all-star this season. A guy that has 18 home runs on the year. He's been spectacular. And I understand all of the discourse around why he should have been traded and why people think that he should have been traded and saying this is probably a one-off. And you know what? I don't necessarily disagree with you that he's probably not going to be able to replicate this sort of season again. But I think that at some point you have to keep some of these veterans around. You can't always just sell guys to sell them. You know, if they, if they would have gotten a fantastic deal for him and they would have gotten a prospect that you could have gotten excited about, then sure, go ahead, trade him. But I think that just trading him for the sake of saying you needed to trade someone, you needed to trade him, would have been foolish. I think it's the same thing with Kyle Finnegan. You know, it could have been brutal watching this bullpen the last couple of months of the season if they would have traded Kyle Finnegan. You know, he gets to save last night pitch really well, and really since early in the season when he had a, a struggling outing, a tough outing, he's been really good. He's been someone that they can depend on every time that they go to him. And so, you know, I think a lot of people were frustrated when last week at the deadline, the only move they made was Jamer Candelario, and I get it. I do. I understand that you're looking at it as a rebuild, and you need to go ahead and move on from all of these people, and any chance you can get some value, go ahead and do it. But I would rather keep a guy that I know I can depend on going forward to help teach some of these young guys then try to bring in some more prospects that may or may not hit. I kind of like the idea of having a veteran like Lane Thomas to teach Dylan Cruz and James Wood the ropes as opposed to maybe signing a guy to try to do that role Jason Worth style or maybe having another prospect come up with these guys. Like I think at some point you need some veteran leadership. So I kind of like where they're at. But again, I think that this season can be considered a success because everything has been scooted up a year. 2026 was maybe being extra aggressive for a timeline of this team being competitive again coming into this season. I don't think it's crazy to think they could be competitive in 2025. And I think that's why this season has been so good for Nationals fans, because you've seen the growth of C.J. Abrams. And, you know, we talk about him all the time now because he's kind of turned a corner. But when you look at the way that he's playing right now, you look at the confidence he has when he's at the plate. You know, he's a totally different player than he was at the beginning of the season. Looking at his stats as a whole right now, 253 batting average, 43 RBIs, 25 stolen bags, still only a 304 on base. You'd like to see him walk a little bit more. 410 slug. Look, the, the stats as a whole don't wow you, but I almost think it's more encouraging the way that it's happened. Because you could break it down as, oh, if he had this sort of season and he was that way all season long, then maybe that's kind of the guy he is. But the way he started, a little bit slow, nothing spectacular, showing you flashes, but nothing that made you think that it was sustainable. And then, really, since he went into that leadoff spot, something clicked. Something's been totally different for him. And it's been fantastic to watch because now you're seeing it night in, night out. And last night he goes 0 for 4, and you know he hasn't necessarily had best last couple of games. 
But this is a guy that has been a totally different player in that leadoff spot. 23 games, 105 plate appearances. So, again, still a small sample size, but we're starting to get enough that we can start to make some conclusions from it. 312 batting average, 369 on base, 462 slug for an 831 OPS. You can live with that. You could, you would love to have that going forward. 14 stolen bags. That's the kind of stuff that you dreamed about having when you traded for C.J. Abrams. And I think this takes you all back, all the way back to that Soto trade. Was that the right move? Well, obviously it was. You know, the things out there with the Padres haven't gone to plan. They haven't been as competitive as you would have liked if you're the Padres and you're a fan of that team. But look what the return you got back for him if you're a Nationals fan. And think about what this team could be if they wouldn't have made that trade. You know, if they don't make that trade, I don't think any of the stuff that I've just said over the last 20 minutes makes any sense. You know, you're you're looking at a, a team that has Dylan Cruz probably still. But outside of that, you don't have James Wood. You don't have Abrams. You don't have Gore. You're depending on Josiah Gray. Dylan Cruz, Cade Cavalli, you're Brady House. You're missing out on some of the core pieces that are going to be part of this franchise going forward, and that's CJ, Mackenzie Gore, Susanna even, who's pitching tonight in Fredericksburg as well, James Wood, Robert Hassel. Like, you would have missed out on all those guys. So, again, I think that when you look at what this – team has done over the last couple of years. You look at what Mike Rizzo has ultimately decided to do during this rebuild. It's a tough one. It's tough to watch 2019 happen the way it did. It be such a magical ride. So fun. That team was awesome. That team was so fun to watch. Especially as they're making their comeback throughout the season after they started 19 and 31. It was awesome watching Trey Turner and Rendon and Soto. It was great. It was so tough to watch this thing get tore down. But it's so nice now that you look out and they have a respectable farm system. You know, on Bustin' Loose Baseball, we had on Kyle Glazer. Again, check that out on the Odyssey app if you haven't already. We were talking with Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. And he was talking about the minor league system for the Nationals. And he brought up that some of the evaluators around Major League Baseball weren't looking at the Nationals' lower levels of the, of the system as just bad players, they were looking at them as players that shouldn't be playing professional baseball at any level. And this team has now grown, this organization has now grown in farm system to the point that they're a top five farm system in all of baseball. This is something that has changed around, and it's something that gives you some hope because you look at what the Orioles have done just up the road. They call up Adley Rutschman. He's obviously made a huge difference. Maybe Dylan Cruz can have that sort of impact looking at a top overall pick, one of the top overall picks to do that. But they have Gunnar Henderson, Westberg, all these guys coming up and helping out. That's kind of what the Nationals are going to have, not that same level, but hopefully pretty soon. Maybe the Reds are a better example where they call up De La Cruz and he's kind of the last one, but McLean and Steer and Andrew Abbott, all those guys coming up and having fantastic seasons for the Reds. Maybe that's something that the Nationals could have happen relatively soon. But it's something that 
Mike Rizzo decided that this is the way they were going to go about it. They couldn't sign Soto. They couldn't sign some of these guys. It's frustrating. I do understand that. You would have loved to have still seen Trey Turner in a Nationals uniform. You'd love to still see even Bryce Harper going all the way back there or Juan Soto still in a Nationals uniform. There's no doubt about it. It still hurts to see those guys wearing other uniforms. But the reality is they weren't going to sign some of those guys, so you get something back for them. And now you look ahead, and it might not be that long before this team is competing once again. And while it's rough, I think that you got to be happy where they're at right now. And I think that's why you look at 2023 as a whole, and you have to consider it a success. You know, looking at where you were coming into this season and comparing it to where you are now as you look ahead to the future, I think it's night and day. And I think that's why this season has been so good for the Nationals, even though the wins and losses haven't been great, even though, you know, this team's still going to finish as one of the three or four worst teams in all of Major League Baseball. It doesn't feel like that. You know, having a night where they go out like they did against the Giants the other night with Logan Webb on the mounds, and they're running him in the second inning. You wouldn't have seen that last season. You wouldn't have seen them putting together at-bats like they did against Logan Webb. You know, 10-pitch walks, those sort of things. You wouldn't have seen that last year. A chance where Logan Webb was about to get run in the second inning just because of the amount of pitches he had to throw in that inning. Then he ends up giving up the six runs. And you wouldn't have seen the comebacks against the Rockies. Those are the sort of things that you see maturing as a baseball team. You see this team continuing to fight. And I think that Davey has done a fantastic job with this ball club of doing that. Let's take a look at the starting lineup for tonight as the Nationals take on the Cincinnati Reds for Game 2 of the series. Leading off, you have C.J. Abrams. Not surprising as he continues to succeed up there. Starting at short, Lane Thomas, right fielder, batting second. Joey Manessis batting third at first base. Cabert Ruiz DHing tonight. That's one thing that I'd like to see. We'll get into it in just a second. But Stone Garrett, left field. Riley Adams at catcher. Ildemaro Vargas at third. Alex Call in center. Michael Chavis at second. And Joanna Doan making a spot start for the Nationals tonight as Trevor Williams hasn't been able to get back just yet. Riley Adams this season. Let me just read you some of the blind resume of what he's been doing. Like If you just look at the stats, you're like, why isn't this guy playing a little bit more? He's been really good for the Nationals this season. He's been fun to watch, and every time he gets a chance, it seems like he comes up big. He's got a two ninety eight batting average. He's got 15 RBIs, four homers. He's only had 94 at-bats, three fifty three on base, five fifty three slug, a nine oh six OPS. That's a guy that you hope could get some more at-bats down the stretch here, just to kind of see what you've got. He's got a 1.0 war this season. He's been really good. He hasn't been able to play a whole lot, but in terms of what he's given you when he's been out there, it seems like every time he's in the lineup, he makes a play. He comes up big in some spot. So I'm interested to see what he does tonight. I really like what Riley Adams has done this season. And this team as a whole, again, I think it's been really exciting to see the way that this team has grown together the way that this team has matured, just the way that this team has played has been encouraging because last season it was a chore to watch this team. This season it's a joy to watch this team. As we wrap up, I want to go back to the thing that I kind of started talking about at the beginning of the show. 
I think it's kind of crazy that Philly fans, I don't know if you saw this clip, but Philly fans are trying to act like they're great fans again. <laughs> like they're they're nice fans and giving Trey Turner a standing ovation last night before one of his at-bats as if they haven't just been clowning this guy and getting all over him. And I just can't stand that. I can't stand the fact that Philadelphia is trying to act like they're a a great, nice sports town now. That's not something that they are. It's just wild to me that that, the reaction that's kind of gone around of, oh, good for Philly and all these different things. I don't like Philadelphia. (laughs) I just don't. And I can't stand their fans trying to act like they haven't been trashing Trey Turner and saying all these bad things. It's absurd to me that they think that one standing ovation is going to fix all that. It's not. It's not. It's just crazy. That's going to do it for us today. appreciate you guys hanging out with me all throughout the afternoon today. Nationals baseball is going to come up in just a couple of minutes, but Before we do that, I want to thank my guy, Connor. I appreciate him hanging out and producing everything today, doing a great job. And appreciate him. Appreciate Ryan Horvat for joining us and all that he has done. Appreciate you guys for listening. That's going to do it for us today. couple of minutes, and then Charlie and Dave are going to come up with Nationals Baseball. Toby Altizer saying thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you later. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.